Welcome to the Airman Helping Airman Podcast. I'm your host, Khalid Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. morning and welcome to the Airman Helping Airman Podcast. I'm John Farrell, the Chief Operating Officer of the Air Force Aid Society. I'm happy to have on the call Kathleen McMahon. Let me tell you a little about Kathleen's background before we get started with a number of questions. So Kathleen is the Executive Vice President for Development Communications at the Northern Virginia Family Services. They provide uh, the essential building blocks for social, emotional, physical well-being throughout the community. Every year, they empower 35,000 individuals to achieve self-sufficiency. The services that you'll explain later on deal with homelessness, housing, mental health, mental health and well-being, youth initiatives, and many more. Kathleen serves in a role on the executive leadership team, where she advises and leads and directs resources of over 325 people in 13 regional locations throughout America, drives the strategy for all the philanthropic fundraising, and obviously leads the communications effort for digital marketing and traditional media. Her educational background, she earned a Bachelor of Arts in poli-sci, French from Syracuse University, and a Master of Science in NGO, nonprofit leadership from the University of Pennsylvania. And I had the opportunity to look at all that, but probably the thing she's most proud of, she is a mom of three, all under the age of six, so you know Kathleen is busy. So we really appreciate you, Kathleen, being on the call. How are you today? Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yes, it's great. So thank you. Thank you. So we can let our uh, listeners know, can you tell me a little bit about Northern Virginia Family Services and what it entails? I describe your role, but would you go ahead and give us a little bit more feedback on what you do other than what I said? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Northern Virginia Family Service, NBFS for short, because we're outside, we're inside the Beltway, so we have to have an acronym. We are a nearly 100-year-old nonprofit that's been serving the Northern Virginia community since 1924. We began handing out coal and coats during the Depression and have evolved with the times and just respond to community needs as they emerge. So whether that's helping with families, we were one of the first foster care agencies in the area, supporting families with emergency assistance, immediate needs, Coal and coats is no longer relevant, but food, access to medication, diapers, those are still critical community needs. So we respond for a spectrum of services that range from food assistance, homelessness, perinatal mental health, mental health services for veterans, for folks across the region. So we touch the lives of 35,000 clients a year, as you mentioned. And our hope is that we can create integrated services that can disrupt multi-generational poverty. So if a parent comes to us needing support for their child to enroll in preschool, for example, we have services to not only serve the child, but also career navigation services for their parents. Or maybe they need to be connected to other community resources. We are that hub during the government shutdown we saw an influx of folks needing help with rent and mortgage relief. Going through the pandemic, we were very quickly called upon by governments and our local community partners to get aid into the community at the outset of the pandemic, 
to connect folks with health resources, economic resources. So we really cover the full spectrum of human need. Fantastic. Yeah. So I was a little bit of a follow-up question. So tell me how yet, if you had to re-engineer yourself or what happened in light of the pandemic, I assume that just like everybody in the world, you had to work from home for a little bit. So how do you give those services when you're used to being in an office function? Absolutely. So one aspect that's been critical throughout our 100-year history is that we are built for success in crisis. And so after 9-11, we stood up the Pentagon We supported families of the Pentagon attack, and we have a long history of community partnerships getting into action when crisis emerges. So when COVID happened, we were prepared. Some of services couldn't go virtual, couldn't go remote. Our Hunger Resource Center serves hundreds of families every month and distributes over a million pounds of food a year to families in our community. So we had to learn very quickly how to safely continue our distribution, but in a new way. So every day with all the new data that was coming out, how do we serve folks safely, but bringing food, adding food service to seniors so people could stay safely in their homes. We have a 92-bed family shelter, the largest family shelter in Northern Virginia. So we had to learn very quickly how to create communal living. What are the healthcare guidelines? What are the quarantine strategies? So we were just building as we went. We stood up a learning environment in our shelter for the young learners who were in a shelter during this that time. So connecting folks to technology resources and then making sure that emergency assistance, that cash got into the hands of folks who needed it. And we were called upon by the local jurisdiction to get over $5 million out into the community to keep folks in their home, also connecting them with all the basic necessities of food. And I just can't say enough that this would not be possible without the ingenuity and the dedication of our staff, many of which who had their own families at home. And what I think the pandemic was different from other crises that we've been responding to is that we are all going through crisis at the same time, different levels to different degrees, but particularly for our mental health counselors, for folks that did come and were dropping off food outside of their client's house and delivering masks and PPE and supporting families. We were all scared. We were all going through crisis at the same time. So I just can't say enough about the incredible dedication of our team. That's fantastic. And what I learned is we have a lot of parallels. You've been in existence for 100 years. Us, we just hit 80 a couple months ago. But I heard the term emergency assistance. And that, how did you first get involved with NVFS? Uh, Connect relationships to help improve the outcomes for folks across our region. So I've taught English in Thailand. I have worked at the national level. I've done a lot of work with school dropouts. My passion is youth and children and helping families succeed. And so NVFS is just a natural convergence, my personal and my professional skills. So it's a dream job, to be honest. (laughs) That's fantastic. So with four women in the house or four girls in the house, does your husband ever get a word in edgewise? I mean, yeah, he's a great <laughs> listener. He's a great listener. And yeah, he would want me to tell you, he was very excited that I was doing this show today. He grew up Air Force and was really excited that we were speaking today. He grew up overseas in Germany when his dad was with NATO. So yeah, nice connection. That's fantastic. Well, I'm happy to hear. We'll have to look forward to meeting him sometime. So Yeah. To go back to what we were discussing earlier with emergency assistance, you know, when people ask me, what is the 
toughest case that you've ever dealt with in life? We see all walks of life. We see all of them there. Can you think of one thing that stands out that you say, wow, I really came to them or they came to us during our time in need. We really helped them out and they're now on the right track to being successful in life. Oh, wow. Um, There are so many stories of success, I'm happy to say. it For us at MVFS, it's a real honor to walk alongside folks on their journey to whatever thriving future looks like for them. Yesterday, I spent some time with a young woman who was a client in our legal services program. She and her mom needed help with their immigration paperwork. They had come from Bolivia and through some issues with their paperwork needed assistance. And we have, through our multicultural center, legal immigration services. And we had a lawyer that was an incredible member of our team. And she worked with this family for years. These processes take four years or so. She stayed connected. Her mom received support, other wraparound supports through our multicultural center and stayed connected. And as this young woman became older, she was really inspired to give back and become a lawyer herself. So staying connected to our staff, she landed an internship back in our legal services program. And what gave me chills is it came full circle for her that one of her jobs as an intern was to file away any cases that were five years or older that were no longer active. And she found her case. And she filed that away and learned more about her family history than I think she was protected from, obviously, at the time. And now she's studying at William & Mary. She's studying law and is going to change the world. I think that there are so many stories like that. We have workforce development programs. Last week, we had a graduation for our Training Futures program, which has been in existence for over 25 years and is strongly evidence-based in helping people increase their wages, increase their ability to create a brighter economic future for their families. And there are hundreds and thousands of stories of success of people who felt lost, didn't know where to turn to improve their working life. They might be driving taxis. They may have been doctors in their countries where they were born and came to this country and needed help navigating our systems and learning how to advance in their professional environment. And that truly has been life-changing for so many of the families. We talk about our services from transactional, transitional to transformational. And creating economic mobility and economic opportunity is certainly at the heart of what we hope to do so folks can have that thriving future that I mentioned. But our annual report is filled with just a sampling of these stories, but it's a real privilege to get to know the staff and get to know the clients whose lives have been changed because of our work with them. What's some great illustrations of the great work that you're doing out there. So you may know that we're pretty proud. One of the things that you guys do is award the CARE Award, the company that has responsive employers. So yes. Fortunately, we've won that back-to-back other than the COVID year. And yeah. Nicole Ayala, who's our Chief Human Resource Officer, plans on submitting us again this year. So Great. can you tell everybody what that's all about and, and why we are selected? Absolutely. So CARES Responsive Employers are lifting up folks, lifting up companies in the community that make our region a great place to live, work, and thrive. 
And we're very excited to partner with Air Force Aid Society and being back-to-back winners. And thank you, Nicole, for applying. The applications open this Friday and the awards will be Friday, November 4th. And it's really focused on organizations like yours that are looking at the well-being of their employees as much as their community investment and giving back. And your organization is rooted in service and service to others and supporting the veterans that have made such a difference in our country. At the same time, what we recognized is how through your HR efforts, you're also lifting up and supporting the well-being of your employees. And that makes our region stronger. And that's where to be part of this exemplary group of employers is a real honor for NVFS to be presenting these awards because that has a ripple effect in terms of how together we're solving some of the most intractable problems that our region is facing. Well said. I I will tell you, we're extremely proud of that award. And it's extremely competitive. I mean, when you go out and you come and do pre-COVID, a field visit, you interview people and they have to fill out an anonymous survey, it really provides us the feedback to know whether we're attacking it from the employee's view, right? Yes. But what I'm so proud of is we're able to do exactly what you said, provide the services to airmen and guardians across the globe, Mm -hmm. while at the same time, take care of our employees, make sure that they're happy with what we're doing here as well. Exactly. We're a lean, mean, fight machine. You may know that, Kathleen. And we've gone (laughs) in the past year, 19 to 29, because we're changing our business model a little bit. But when I arrived here, Six years ago, we had seven employees that had 30 years or longer wow. service. We have one that serves right outside my door that started at 18. And I'm going to tell her age a little bit. 47 years later, she's still working for us. Wow. So that kind of says to me that maybe we're doing something right. Yes. Because they could obviously leave, right? So Absolutely. Hopefully, we'll be competitive. And I'm sure Nicole will do a great job. And we'll see where we land this year. But we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. I have a... Great feeling that you'll have a wonderful application. Thank you. Thank you. So what I'd like to do now, talk a little bit about some more cases. I know that you shared in your early illustration that you have a lot of people in different parts of their lives who need help. So can you think of specific poverty examples? How do we support those? I know you mentioned the homelessness problem. Obviously, even right here outside our door in Arlington has those issues. So can you let us know what you're doing to combat those efforts? Absolutely. So the individuals and families we serve have are facing hunger, homelessness, educational disparities, insufficient access to health. And a lot of it are consequences of structural forces that have guided our world for centuries. 80% of our families live below the poverty line. And certainly the events of the past two years have exacerbated that. Folks that may have been vulnerable before the pandemic is certainly compounded now. And one of the areas that we look to is how do we address the needs of the whole family? And we've mentioned before our work with folks through our Hunger Resource Center. You may come to our Hunger Resource Center because you need food. For example, of the veterans we serve, about half of them come to us initially for food. And then we, through our intake process, looking at other integrated services that we can provide. Do you need access to prescription drugs or healthcare that perhaps your VA benefits wouldn't cover? Do you need connection for your family for workforce development training? Do you need 
cash assistance. We have a vehicles for change program where we connect folks who are seeking employment with cars. So really looking at the full picture that there's no wrong door to enter our organization and get help. And how people can support that, certainly our volunteers are are an essential component of our work. We have 350 amazing staff that are serving the 35,000 clients a year. However, that wouldn't be possible without the thousands of volunteers who give their time, whether it's distributing food, whether it's teaching lessons to our kids in our Head Start program, whether it's creating neighborhood fundraisers to gather diapers and baby supplies for folks in our perinatal mental health program. And that's where my team, we cover all of those community connections of connecting people to giving back. Obviously, donating dollars is essential and and certainly important. And we saw throughout the pandemic that so many folks in our community trusted us with their dollars, with their relief checks that they didn't need and they wanted to do something for their neighbors in need. And our long track record of connecting, being that conduit in the community. Also in-kind donations, we partnered with the DC Diaper Bank at the outset of the pandemic and handed out nearly 90,000 diapers to local families. We have a thrift store in Falls Church. And so either to donate to the thrift store or shopping at the thrift store, it's a wonderful place. It's called the Clock Tower Thrift Shop. And also just spreading the word. I mean, this opportunity is tremendous for us to have more people in the community know how they can make a real tangible impact. So following us on social media, telling our friends and your friends and family about us and coming to our events. Fantastic. What an admirable thing that you're doing. And we truly appreciate it. Selfishly, obviously, you mentioned veterans. Yes. So we focus on on those as well. But what could you uh, give me an idea of folks that are listening today mm-hmm. and they're struggling and they're considering seeking support? What advice or counsel would you provide to them? It's the bravery that I've seen throughout the pandemic of people reaching out and just taking one step forward, make one phone call organizations like ours at NVFS, making that initial outreach and getting connected to a person that then can connect you to somebody else has made a huge difference. And the focus I know for all of us around mental health has been so essential and particularly for the airmen and guards that you serve and that to see the care and connection that our mental health counselors make with our clients I would just encourage anyone who needs help to reach out and make that phone call and take that step forward. It takes a lot of bravery to step forward. Sometimes that's all you have to do, right? Yeah. People ask me many times, they say, John, it's pretty evident that you truly love your job, which I do. And they say, can you tell me why? Give me one singular reason. And my standard answer is there's never a better feeling than knowing that you made a difference in a person's life and seeing the results and their success and providing the tools to do so. So I'll ask you the same question. If you could think of one singular thing, why do you do what you do? What is the best part of this job? That's a great question. The best part of my job is that I get to be a connector. I get to use the power of relationships, whether it's connecting a volunteer to their passion for giving back, if it's looking at what clients or communities in our community need, and then figuring out how do we resource that? How do we make that happen? I love being that connector. And our department is the hub to that. We connect to corporations that give generously, that are 
wanting to get involved and be able to create those opportunities for them, to be able to share the stories and lift up the work of the companies that are making our place, our region, a great place to live and work. And also all of the donors and and the incredible generosity of individuals that I come in to get to interact with on a daily basis, connecting their passion with real needs. For me, at the end of the day, it's about the families that we're helping and being a small part of making their lives better and easier if we can. And so that's a really great privilege to get to be that hub, (laughs) if you will. Absolutely. So in a remaining time, we have time for a couple more questions, if you don't mind, Kathleen. So when I was reviewing your LinkedIn page, I noticed one of the things that you put out is you're a change agent and social sector leader. Tell everybody what that means and why you define yourself as that. I define myself as a change agent and a social sector leader is that it's not just working in a nonprofit. I've worked in and around this area. It's about bringing together government, corporate, individuals together for good. And I want to live by that example and not to sound cheesy, but be the change that I wish to see in the world. And I have been afforded a lot of opportunity and a lot of privilege. And I want to use that to make sure that I'm doing my part to creating opportunities for others however I can. And that's why this work is so important to me and my family. It feels really great to tell your kids that when mommy goes to work, she's making a difference and she's helping our community and helping people that could be our neighbors. I mean, I think the pandemic, government shutdowns, a lot of the events of the past few years, all of us could be one or two paychecks away from needing support at MBFS. And it's humbling. And just that's what keeps me going is that the need, poverty looks different in the suburbs. It looks different in Northern Virginia than it does in parts of other areas. And so it's a real honor to work alongside such brilliant folks that are making a real difference. Fantastic. And my final question for you today, Kathleen, which is obviously near and dear to your heart, in order for us to provide the services we do and the services you provide, we rely on donations from generous donors across the world. So one of your responsibilities is to drive strategy for fundraising. So tell us a little bit about that. And then as you conclude, tell people how and where they can donate. So our team connects the organization with all the private philanthropic resources, so individuals, foundations, and corporations, and to help drive innovation, to help fill gaps. We get government funding as well. And our private funding is really essential to filling those gaps and fueling the innovation that make our programs work. So as we're walking up to 100 years, we're envisioning what do the next 100 years look like? What are the community needs? How can we be as responsive and nimble to the rapidly changing environment that we all find ourselves in. So as I mentioned, volunteering is a great way to get involved. We have our annual Road to Independence Gala coming up on Friday, May 13th at the Pavilions at Wolf Trap and the Care Awards, which is another wonderful opportunity to connect with fantastic organizations like yours. And then we also have tangible drives and fundraising and in-kind drives throughout the year. So in August, we do a back-to-school drive where we're gathering school supplies for local communities. If folks want to come out and volunteer or donate supplies or donate dollars to help us 
make sure that the children that we serve in our programs are connected to all the resources they need to have a great start to their school year. Same with Operation Turkey. In November, we pack thousand bags filled with groceries for families, distributing gift cards and meals, as well as in December, providing gifts through our gifting for families. So there are lots of ways to get the community involved and see the work in action. And the dollars really are going to the families and helping us continue to serve as we have for many more years to come. So thank you. Fantastic. I always like to conclude. One of the things I watch, I don't know if you watch it on TV, on Access TV, Dan Rather does what's called the big interview. Mm -hmm. And he interviews all these different folks from all walks of life, whether they be politicians, entertainers, and he always concludes with this question. What question should I have asked that I didn't ask you today that you would like to answer so everybody across the world can learn more about your organization and yourself? That is a great question. And usually my final question on my interviews staff. So I should have been more prepared to answer that. One of the questions I would lift up is that we are, I think that the access to mental health supports, particularly if you are struggling financially, what we've seen through the pandemic is if you're focusing on getting your basic needs met, staying in your home, getting your rent, getting your prescriptions, getting food for your family, it's very hard to prioritize your own mental well-being and your own mental health. And I think what the past few years, from what I've learned from my colleagues, is that the path to stability has so much to do with having access to that. And for NVFS, that's something we're very proud of, is to have trauma-informed mental health supports and be a trauma-informed agency, meaning that seeking services, everyone is experiencing some form of trauma. Everybody experiences trauma differently, but that kind of sensitivity really sets our organization apart. And we take great care and great pride in being able to make not only mental health services accessible, but delivering services with dignity and cultural humility and standing alongside the clients that we're honored to serve. Kathleen, extremely well said. And we'll make sure we put the word out about your organization so that they can donate as well. So ladies and gentlemen, next week, we'll come back with Kay Wright, our CEO. I appreciate him allowing me to stand in. And Kathleen, we appreciate your time. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen, brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airmen Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.